It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every day. Make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube, close to 850 subscribers. The goal is to get to 900 by next Monday and 1,000 by the NFL draft coming up here on April 28th. So we are 20. One days away, if I do my math right, 21 days away from the NFL draft. Cannot wait to see what the Carolina Panthers do there at six. And that will be an interesting conversation as we'll get into it here in just a moment. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council for every single Friday. Answer weekly Friday mailbag questions. So get those into me by either adding me at Julian Council, DMing me at Julian Council, or leaving a comment from any of those shows from that week on YouTube. So get those questions into me now as Friday is, of course, tomorrow. All right, as I let off before the show, if you listen to it, if you're watching here on YouTube, Sam Darnold was on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. Taylor Lewan, the left tackle for the Tennessee Titans, and Will Compton, who was not there for this episode of Bussin' with the Boys, they have retrofitted this old van, and they're doing podcasts out of it. They did it independently. Now they're a part of Barstool. They actually do a really good job, and it was an interesting interview to see that they were talking to Sam Darnold, someone who we have not heard from since exit interviews back on January, uh, I want to say 11th or 12th. It's been a while. It's been three months and we heard from Sam Darnold, and I don't think a lot of people want to hear from him, but I think it was worth hearing from Sam Darnold, considering that the Carolina Panthers were open about wanting to find another quarterback that they said, at least Scott Pitterer said at the Combine a couple weeks ago, that the job is open. And yes, that Sam Darnold currently is the favorite, but they're going to look to add competition to that room after going after Deshaun Watson, which was very public for over a year. They wanted Deshaun Watson. And I have just wondered, how does Sam Darnold feel about what's going on here in Carolina and the Carolina Panthers looking to replace him? It's not just that they want, they are looking to replace him. Like they are act, they want to do it. They are ready to move on. All reports that we've seen is the Carolina Panthers are ready to move on. Ignore what Matt Rule has said about, we want. We know Sam can be good for this this year. He's going to take a huge leap under Ben McAdoo in his new offense. If they really believe that, as I've said multiple times to you now, they would not be going out there and getting Sam Darnold. Now, when I saw this, I was I first saw a clip on Twitter. I think it was from Panthers on Tap, 
that got a little 30 second clip of a Sam Darnold quote. And I've seen multiple places aggregate it. I saw the bustle with the boys guys actually go tweet out ESPN and pro football talk and all the other sites that aggregated it and saying, Hey, give us credit by the way. Uh, so it got all over the place. And when this happens, when you see a quote written or you just get a clip, there's a lot of reaction to it without a lot of context. And I fell for it this time as I was like, okay, this guy says he's proved it while being a first team all ski mass all-star, which I call people who are athletes who make a lot of money or never stealing money. Cause they're not very good. Like Nick Batum here in Charlotte, a couple years ago, ski mask, all-star Sam Darnold. He is one less so in a way that it's not like he actually earned the money. The Carolina Panthers recklessly gave him the $18.858 million that he's due to make this season in 2022 because they exercised his 50-year option without seeing him play a single snap in the Carolina Panthers black and blue. So I saw the video, and my first reaction was to roll my eyes. The quote that I listened to, and I went back, by the way, I've gone back, I've watched the entire interview that he did with Taylor Lewan so I could understand the context of how he said it, of what the conversation was leading to then, and what came after the conversation that he had with Taylor Lewan about the Panthers potentially going out there and drafting a quarterback at six overall, which you look at multiple mock drafts, which you're going to do here in a minute. A lot of people think the Carolina Panthers are going to take a quarterback at six, and the Panthers have led me and plenty of other people to believe that that's what they want to do after striking out on a veteran option and that really being the only logical step forward for the Carolina Panthers as they need to identify the long-term quarterback of the future. But the quote, Sam Donald says, it's truly whatever happens, happens, because at the end of the day, it's out of my control, and I know that. I have enough security in myself where I can say I know I'm a good quarterback. I know it can be a good quarterback in the sleeve. I've proved it, and I know there's a team, if something happens, that would want me. Now, the most truthful thing that he said there is that there is a team that will want him, not to be their starting quarterback. We've seen it in the past that if you are a top 10 pick at quarterback, and even if you flame out, you will have opportunities to be a backup, or maybe you get a second chance like Sam Darnold. Mitch Trubisky is getting a second chance, although he played much better in Chicago, and you can say the uh, the situation there was better in Chicago than it was for Sam Darnold in his three years in New York. But still, Trubisky was a better player, and Sam Darnold has not put a lot of good tape out there. He has not stayed healthy for a full season. Yes, he's never had a great protection. There's been question marks about Todd Bowles in his final year as the defensive-minded head coach and having Sam Darnold. Adam Gase, who wasn't great in Miami, Following the last after his first season where he took him to the playoffs and Tannehill then flaming out kind of there and now going to Tennessee and he's had a good career with the Titans. There was plenty of situations to look and point and say, hey, had things been better, maybe Sam Darnold would have been better. And I absolutely understand that. And I do in a way feel for the guy that he is not necessarily, at least in New York, did not get a, a good a fair shake. And even here in Carolina, yeah, the offensive line wasn't great. McCaffrey wasn't healthy. But at what point in time is he responsible for his own play? And I will give him this. He has always said, I got to be better. He has never went out there and said, hey, it's there. It's the Panthers' fault. When he even asked about a point blank, have the Panthers done enough to help you win? And the same thing in New York, he's always said, I have to execute. So I commend him for being able to do that and having the self-awareness to say that. Now, I don't commend him with this lack of self-awareness saying that I can be, that I am a good quarterback in the league, and I've proven that. Maybe he can be. I've rarely seen anything that would lead me to believe that that could be the case. Yes, the first three weeks of the season looked good. We've went over the opponent now and then. We talked about how real is this 3-0 start. The Jets are terrible. The Texans are terrible. And the defense went after two rookie quarterbacks in Davis Mills and Sam Darnold's replacement, Zach Wilson, respectively. And the Saints had a ton of injuries on defense and their coaching staff 
had a rampant COVID cases and missed that game. There was reasonable, you could reasonable conclusions to draw as to why the Carolina Panthers started off so hot at 3-0. And honestly, Sam Darnold wasn't really one of them. And yes, he played well for the most part. First half against the Jets looked great. Second half, not great. First half against the Saints looked great. Second half, terrible interception. Didn't look so great. Now, the Texans game looked awesome. First half, Dallas looked great. And then after that, it was all downhill in that second half where he threw two interceptions to Trayvon Diggs. And that was pretty much the season for Sam Darnold as he once again was injured, came back in the final part of the season, week two or week 17 and 18, starting in New Orleans and starting in week 18 at Tampa, where he actually played okay. So maybe there's something in there. We heard Tony Romo on the broadcast on CBS when the Panthers somehow got the national game there in week 18 against the Bucs, saying that, man, they just have not done enough to help him out. Every time he drops back, there's pressure in his face. And the Panthers have said, Scott Fitterer said this, Matt Rule said this, we have to do more to help Sam. But they've also said that Sam knows he has to be better. And at what point, again, is it Sam Darnold's fault? He has to be better. We're four years into this. This is it. And he might not get another opportunity. And it was interesting to me when listening to the podcast when he was talking about his departure from New York. Exit interviews back in 2021. Joe Douglas, the GM in New York, basically said to him that, hey, we're going to look at our other options. And Sam Darnold knew right then and there, it's a wrap. I'm out of here. They're going to find somebody else. And they called him, said, hey, we're going to draft somebody else. We're going to trade you to Carolina and yada, yada, yada. And here, here he is in Carolina. And I wonder if he has the same feeling now. He did not say that, was not asked about that. I wish Taylor Lewan would have asked, hey, do you get the same feeling here in Carolina that they're also moving on from you? He wasn't asked that. And how he dealt with it in New York was to keep his head down, to talk to the new OC, Mike LaFleur, and to talk to the new head coach, Robert Sala, and to go as if he is going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm sure that's the exact same thing that he's doing here in Carolina, talking about how he's going to focus on Ben McAdoo's offense. Now, the one quote, and that one, fine. I get it. Self-belief. And the way, I, and after that, the conversation that he really had was, like, I have seven guys who are my best friends I've known since I was in high school and in grade school. And those guys have been with me from day one. That he has good people around him. And that's something I've said before. That, I, Lord, I hope he has good people around him because I cannot imagine the kind of social media beef that he has to take. And we're going to get into that, to that here in just a second. So really the context of the quote was, he believes in himself. And for whatever reason, he thinks he's proved it, which I, good for him. And I'm sure he's frustrated by what's been around him his first four seasons of the national football in the National Football League. But he also recognizes that maybe he needs to do, he has to do better, but he has good people around him. So no matter what, financially, he's taken care of. He bought a house in California where he lives in the offseason. He's getting $18 million, which I've referred to as his retirement fund. He's going to be okay. He has people that around him that love him. That's how I took that quote when listening to what occurred after it. Now, this one quote, though, don't really love. When Taylor Lewan was asking him about Jets fans and just how he's dealt with fans and how, you know, all the criticism that he gets. You see it. I mean, I've been critical of Sam Darnold. You all have been critical of Sam Darnold. Pretty much anyone has been critical of Sam Darnold, whether they play the game or not. But he says, the part that pisses me off is when people judge my game, like how I'm playing. Then I'm like, go strap it up. I'm like, you're a fan. I respect you as a fan. You can talk all that crap you want. I'm not going to do anything at the end of the day, but take it easy. What if I was like, the house you just worked on is a piece of crap. You're so bad at tiling. You should really go get another job. Really think about your profession. Sometimes you want to say stuff like that, but you can't. And I get it. I didn't play, I didn't play football in the National Football League. Didn't play in college. And I'm sure you listening to the show, same case. And who are we to judge Sam Darnold? But it's not just us laymen who are out here 
judging Sam Darnold. And hell, I went to college, got a journalism degree, wanted to work in sports media, had this podcast. Part of the podcast here is being critical. If you want to find something that's going to be sunshines and rainbows, the Carolina Panthers have their own podcast that you can go listen to and only hear the positive things. I think in part, a lot of the reason why a lot of you guys like listening to me is because I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm going to tell you how I feel. So I get it. Fine. I don't know everything schematically. And I've said to y'all, I've been honest with you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what Ben McAdoo's offense is because I don't really know. But I can watch enough football and it's not rocket science. We might not understand all the coverages and the plays and all that, what goes on. We're not in the huddle and we don't know all the nuances sometimes of what some guy might be dealing with and why certain things happen. I can go back and watch the film and see, hey, maybe you missed that. And he points out that, hey, sometimes guys have pointed that out to him. And like, actually, that guy's kind of right. Let's sit here and act as if football is something that it's so hard to comprehend when it's the most popular sport in America is always kind of chap my ass when people say that kind of stuff. Like, okay, I get it. But when Damian Woody's out there and Ryan Clark and all these other ex-players are on ESPN, NFL Network, whatever, and they're also telling you, saying how you aren't playing well, like that's part of the, the game, man. People criticizing how you play. And I can understand like in a way where he's coming from, because I've had people who criticize me with like the podcast and things I say and how they don't like it. And I'm like, sometimes I'm thinking like, okay, how about you host it? <laughs> we'll see how well you can do. And so sometimes you just got to brush it off. And that's the best way to do it. He probably didn't want to say that. And I, I, I'm glad he hasn't gone out in there and told somebody that, but also the whole tiling thing. If I play, if I did my job at NASCAR, the motor racing network, if I performed as poorly, over the course of four years that Sam Darnold has in the National Football League, I would be out of a job. If someone always went out there and messed up tiling in people's bathrooms or wherever it is at their homes, they would be out of a job. Sam Darnold is fortunate that he is not out of a job. And he's also fortunate that his job pays him as much money that even if he loses his job, he's still fine. So I don't really want to hear that kind of sentiment coming from him i understand what he's trying to say and hey how would you like it if i came to you on social media and talk about how you're bad at your job like hey it happens to me sam i know how it feels he, i mean he, he's not necessarily dishing it he's asking hey i'm to take it so i understand that i mean i dish it and not to take it if i can't if i can't take it i shouldn't dish it we could have thick skin for sam darnold worked he lived in new york having to deal with that all the time and jets fans coming up to his face and he said he respected jets fans being like What's going on here? <laughs> like, wh why can't you play better? I just think the last thing you should ever do, especially when you've played as poorly as he has played, is to come out here and, like, tell fans, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. How dare you judge my play? Especially when your play has been, statistically, whether it's regular stats or advanced stats, the worst in the National Football League over a course of four seasons. I appreciate Sam Darnold being candid, being frank, talking to Taylor Juan taking us inside how he feels about how situations have gone in throughout his career and how his life back in college was and all that. And I have a better understanding of who the guy is. And that's the great thing about what we have with the media. And I know Juan's not really the media, but still that's a great part of having those outlets where you can better understand a player. So I think all of us have now better understood Sam Darnold and who he is and where he came from and what he's thinking. But also we recognize that Sam Darnold has not lived up to the billing of the number three overall pick and he's performed better. And very likely, in three weeks, he will no longer be considered the starting quarterback to the Carolina Panthers because at the sixth pick, they're probably going to take a quarterback. And who's that quarterback going to be? Well, Matt Miller and Jordan Reed of ESPN and other people out there seem to think it's going to be Kenny Pickett. And we went over the rationale earlier this week, but I cannot stress enough how much of a disservice the Carolina Panthers will be doing themselves if they take Kenny Pickett because 
He's the most NFL-ready quarterback right now. We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship going on in Augusta. Headed down there tomorrow morning and cannot wait to go see Tiger, who looks good so far as I'm watching it and recording this podcast at the same time. They also have great podcasts and reviews from all the different sports leagues out there. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action but online where the game starts hey guys it's joe marino being around sports media and a fan of the buffalo bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience what if the seahawks let marshawn run on the one yard line with the super bowl on the line or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Sam Darnold seems to be keenly aware that his time here in Carolina is likely up. I've been someone who has actually said that, hey, why not give Sam Darnold another opportunity? The Panthers said all these things about how he's a young quarterback and they get him in this, this situation and they can put better things around him. The offensive line's better. Hopefully McCaffrey's going to be healthier. They also found another running back, Deontay Foreman, that can help Sam Darnold in short, situ- in short game situations or short yardage situations, excuse me, and that they need to do better by him. And that with Ben McAdoo, He's going to get better this season. He's going to take a huge leap. All right, let's see it. If that's the case, let's see it. Because the other option for the Carolina Panthers at this point in time is to draft a rookie. And I don't see any of these rookies, as I said, coming in and saving Matt Rule's job. But apparently, according to Matt Miller, who's NFL draft scout, does a great job, also now working at ESPN.com as an NFL draft analyst, and Jordan Reed from North Carolina Central University, by the way, down there in Durham, he is also an NFL draft analyst for ESPN. They linked up for a mock draft trying to say where the quarterbacks will likely be taken. And both believe that the Carolina Panthers will land Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh as the number six overall pick. We've been over it time and time again. And after three weeks, I'm in three weeks, I will be so glad to never have to bring it up again, unless, of course, they take Kenny Pickett. But still, all the reasoning why people think he'll be here in Carolina is because Matt Rule, once upon a time, had Kenny Pickett committed to him before he left the job at Temple to go to Baylor. Pickett then ends in Pittsburgh, where, of course, David Tepper is from, University of Pittsburgh alum and Booster. So it makes a lot of sense that he would come here to Carolina because of those two shared connections that the owner, David Tepper, and the head coach, Matt Rule, have with Kenny Pickett. But also the biggest thing that I see when people make the case for Kenny Pickett to be the pick for the Carolina Panthers there at six is that he's the most pro-ready of the quarterbacks and that Matt Rule has to win. That would be the biggest disservice the Carolina Panthers could do themselves by taking Kenny Pickett just because they're trying to save Matt Rule's job. I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
We're going to find out in three weeks who has control. If that sixth pick is Malik Willis, that's Scout Fitterer thinking about the future and not being too concerned about this season. Now he's put a good enough team around Sam Darnold, I think, to be able to compete. And we'll see what other pieces emerge coming out of the draft. It'd be nice if they can get a pick on day two, but right now they don't. And we'll see how things play out. What other injuries occur when we get down to training camp for other teams across the league. And maybe the Carolina Panthers can surprise and be a playoff team with Sam Darnold at the helm. Now, obviously, they draft a quarterback. That would still mean that Sam Darnold would be gone. But at least he would acquit himself quite well and get an opportunity, maybe a third chance, which is insane, to go somewhere else and potentially be their starting quarterback. I doubt it, but it's possible that it could happen because he's a first-round pick, and these guys get constant opportunity at their opportunity. It's not just quarterbacks. It's defensive ends. It's corners. There's plenty, like Eli Apple, who they brought in last year. That they were in 2020 didn't work out. He goes to Cincinnati, gets to the Super Bowl, got cooked. Now he's back in Cincinnati. He, that's his fourth team. He's getting opportunity after opportunity. Because he was a first-round pick, and talent prevails, and that's how these things work out. But the bringing Kenny Pickett because you want to save Matt Rule's job does not make a lot of sense. If they do bring him in, that means that Matt Rule still has a say, and that he said, I want that guy, I know that guy. And it also, to me, would mean that David Tepper stepped in and said, Kenny Pickett, that's our guy. Even though all the draft analysts have said that Malik Willis has the highest upside of all the quarterbacks in this draft class, that it would take a year for him to sit back to learn. Then in 2023, he should be the starter, which would be a fine plan for Carolina to have Darnold for one more year, who hopefully with a healthy or like better offense line and one that can stay healthy and with McCaffrey, hopefully healthy and the receivers like Robbie Anderson bouncing back maybe. And then Terrace Marshall emerging as a wide receiver three and the defense still playing well and special teams being better that this team could win games and potentially be there in the wild card picture. We will see. That's a better plan in my opinion, than if they're going to bring in Willis, then, Hey, let's bring in Pickett and start him from day one because we want to save Matt rules job. Because then now you have a coach who's no longer going to be here after next season in all likelihood, because I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be the savior for Matt Rule or for the Carolina Panthers this upcoming season. I don't think any of the rookies, whether it be Corral or Ritter or Howell, are going to step in and lead the Carolina Panthers to more success than Sam Darnold. We just look at how the how rookies traditionally play. They, tradi- they typically struggle. I'd rather have a guy who's at least been around, even though I don't have a lot of faith in him, but he says to him, to us and himself that he's proven that he's a good quarterback in this league. Just the Kenny Pickett thing I just can't get behind, especially at six. If you're going to take someone at six, take Malik Willis. But really, if you want to take somebody at six, take someone who can help you from day one, opposed to someone who's probably not going to help you win, whether it's Kenny Pickett this season or someone who's going to have to sit out for a year like Malik Willis. If you want to use a six pick, use it on somebody that can help you out of the gate. But if that pick is picket, man, the Carolina Panthers, in my opinion, would be making a mistake. And maybe he turns out to be well, and I and I eat crow, and I will certainly do it. And I'm going to support Kenny Pickett or whoever gets drafted there at six, no matter what. I just do not think that that is a good enough rationale that, hey, he can help us win now. Or at least he's the most pro-ready when he's probably not even a franchise changer. And as we know, look at it, Garoppolo, and some of these other guys, Kirk Cousins, like who, who's actually probably a top 10 quarterback, competency is not enough. You got to have those dudes who can be franchise changers. And I just do not see Kenny Pickett being a franchise changer for the Carolina Panthers, but maybe he will be. All right. So the NFL constantly 
dealing with mess after mess after mess. Remember Brian Flores, who followed that lawsuit against NFL teams alleging racism and hiring practices? Well, a Carolina Panthers staffer who got a raw deal a couple years ago has now joined that lawsuit. We'll talk about it here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. A couple weeks ago, Brian Flores, the former Miami Dolphins head coach, shocked the NFL world as he filed a lawsuit against the NFL and several teams alleging racism and hiring practices. My thought at the time that Brian Flores would likely never be a head coach again, as we had seen in the past, Colin Kaepernick kneeled before the National Anthem trying to bring up some of the issues going on in America, which then led for him to, in my opinion, be blackballed from the NFL. And if that upsets you, calm down. Brian Flores, though, just looking at that situation, Kaepernick never fought a lot. Well, I guess he did have the lawsuit, but Brian Flores, an active head coach, following a lawsuit against the NFL. It was hard to believe that he would be a head coach ever again or even coach in the league, and he was willing to make that sacrifice in order to bring a spotlight on all the what he perceives as inequities in a National Football League. And it's very hard not to perceive it that way when you look at the demographics across coaches across the league and how things have typically trended over the last couple of years. Now, Steve Wilkes is someone who you could look at as an example of someone who did not get a fair shake as he was a head coach down with the Arizona Cardinals a couple years, one and done before they brought in Cliff Kingsbury and drafted Calvin Murray number one overall. And on Thursday, today, he joined Brian Flores' lawsuit against NFL teams alleging racism and alleging racism in hiring practices. And according to this is coming from Adam Schefter, the, the complaint that he filed says, as alleged in the amended complaint in 2018, Mr. Wilkes was discriminated against by the Arizona Cardinals in a manner consistent with the experience with the experiences of many black coaches. Mr. Wilkes was hired as a bridge coach. They put that in quotes and not given any meaningful chance to succeed. He was unfairly and discriminatorily fired after just one season. His white GM, who is Steve Kine, by the way, who made poor personnel decisions and was convicted for a DUI during the offseason, was given a contract extension. Mr. Wilkes was replaced by a white coach, Cliff Kingsbury, who had no prior NFL coaching experience and was coming off of a multiple losing seasons as head coach at Texas Tech. Mr. Kingsbury, armed with quarterback Kyler Murray, has been given a much longer lease than Mr. Wilkes and, to his credit, has succeeded. That said, Mr. Wilkes, given the same opportunity afforded Mr. Kingsbury, surely would have succeeded as well. The allegations pertaining specifically to Mr. Wilkes are located in, you know, whatever part of the of the case. So there it is. Steve Wilkes is joining Brian Flores. Also, I believe it is uh, Ray Hudson, who is also joining the lawsuit, a former defensive coordinator. And this one was a doozy who alleges with the Tennessee Titans that he was a part of a sham interview and part of the case 
is a podcast from a couple years ago, a Steelers podcast from Mike Malarkey, formerly out with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a former head coach of the Tennessee Titans, talked about how he was already given the job prior to the Titans and their owner, Amy Adams Strunk, going through the interview process with guys like Hudson and that they had already given Malarkey the job. And Malarkey said he felt he regretted that, felt bad about it, and how John Robinson, the GM now and then, was confused when Malarkey was in there in the interview room because he had already given him – he was already getting the job. And that's something that happens. And I'll, I'll say this, and I'll continue to say it. The, the Rooney rule, while the intentions are good, you cannot force people to want to hire people they don't want to hire. If an owner, no matter whatever they look like, and there is no black majority owners in the NFL, if they want to hire someone – they're going to hire somebody, whether it's black, white, a woman, they're going to hire who they want to hire. And I understand the NFL putting in these benchmarks and telling that you have to talk to minorities and you have to have a woman on your office, on your staff. Now I, I get why they're doing that, but you cannot force diversity unless the owners want to hire them. It's just not going to happen. So that's just how I look at it as a black man. That's how I look at it. If they don't want to hire them, they're not going to hire them. There's nothing you can do. They'll force that to happen. Now, in in theory, in every job, no matter if it's the NFL or it's a job at the Home Depot or wherever, in corporate America, you want the best candidate to be hired. And oftentimes, that doesn't always happen. Whether they're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. a lot of times does not happen. People like to hire people that are like them. I go back to the quote that David Tepper said when he hired Matt Rule that, hey, he dresses like crap. He used to be a fire cook like, like me, a shorter cook, whatever the hell it was. He related to Matt Rule. That's why he hired Matt Rule. Yeah, Matt Rule had success at Temple and at Baylor. He was a program builder and all that other stuff. But in the end, he hired Matt Rule because he could relate to him. And that I'm sure a lot of you out there who are in hiring positions hire people that you can relate to. And maybe some of you are able to think about, hey, maybe I need to have more, di- my, more diversity in my staff. And that if I bring in someone from this background and that background and we get all together and I get that melting pot, then we can be more successful as a company and as a business. And that's what the NFL's hope is. But again, you cannot force these owners to hire people they don't want to hire. If they don't want to hire the black coach, they're not going to hire the black coach. And it might not because he's black. It might just because they like this young white offensive coordinator more than the traditionally this black defensive coach. And that's why they're leading to the pathways to have more black coaches get offensive roles since that seems to be where the league is trending. We will see how it plays out. Now, Brian Flores also apparently is, is suing the Houston Texans because he believes they didn't hire him because of the lawsuit fire, uh, filed, which is interesting considering the Texans fired a black coach after one year in David Kelly, who was seen as a bridge coach, and then hired Lovey Smith. And we'll see whether Lovey gets more than a year. Um, but they they hired they fired and hired a black coach. So I, I don't know, man. It's uh it's a mess. And I think everyone can recognize the NFL needs to do better in its hiring practices. But again, you, you can't force these people to hire people they want to hire. Now, with Steve Wilkes, as far as it pertains to him and the Carolina Panthers and his career, like I don't think he's not going to be the secondary coach because of this. Um, he's here back home in Charlotte, and I'm I'm sure David Tepper, who's shown like the Eric Reed thing, he hired he he brought in Eric Reed, and he's you look at at least when you look at the organization, like Stephen Drummond is one of the highest ranking black men in in the NFL franchise in, in the league. And he has several women, yeah, including his wife, but he has several women who have high positions, whether it's with Charlotte FC or Tepper Sports and Entertainment or with the Carolina Panthers. So he at least has you know, done more than a lot of owners want to do. It's not a good look for the Tennessee Titans if, in fact, what Mike Malarkey is alleging and Hudson's alleging is true. Um, with Steve Wilkes, everyone who looked at it knew he got a raw deal. One year, really. For any coach to only get one year, it has to be an unmitigated disaster like Urban Meyer. The Cardinals were not. He, Steve Wilkes is not that kind of guy. 
where the players were out on him and he was doing, he was demeaning coaches in front of players and has no idea who Aaron Donald was and all that. Like that's that Urban Meyer stuff. That was never going to work from day one to sit there and, and have Steve Wilkes also get fired after a season is just an indictment on the whole league. And it, and it happened. It's not, he's not the only one and done. And there's been white coaches that have been one and done's as well, but it's just, it's never a good look to give a coach only one year and especially the circumstances and to have Steve Kime have the legal issues that he had and to not be there for the draft process, end up with Josh Rosen, get rid of him after a year and then get rid of Steve Wilkes and bring in Cliff Kingsbury who failed up. Cliff Kingsbury was going to go to USC with the OC. Then he got the, the Cardinals job. It's worked out. They got to the playoffs. I, I know the host of the Locked On Cardinals here, oh, the Panther oh, here on the Locked On Network, uh, Alex Clancy, wants Clint King, Cliff Kingsbury to be fired. <laughs> so, hey, it's worked out so far, but it, it's just one of those things where you looked at it and it's kind of like, really? And the college game, NFL game are different. If you don't recruit, you're not going to win. And the, the same five schools get all the best players. And it's hard to recruit to Lubbock, Texas. And they've already re- they've already fired his replacement, and I'm sure it was hard for them to do that, seeing that Cliff Kingsbury was an alumnus of the university there at Texas Tech. But to get an NFL job after all that kind of stuff, I mean, it was in large part because of Patrick Mahomes, I think. But it's just to me, it's just kind of crazy how all that worked out. And best of luck to Steve Wilkes and to Brian Flores and all the other coaches that are going to file suit, because certainly he got a raw deal. Flores got a raw deal in Miami, and if that Stephen Ross thing about him allegedly offering him $100,000 to throw games and try and tank. If that's real, Ross should lose his team and just another stain for the NFL. Interesting to see the local ties now with Steve Wilkes. So best of luck to him. And hopefully that this has not impact his career past being a secondary coach or being defensive coordinator. Maybe he gets another bite of the apple, another, another opportunity to be a head coach in the National Football League. We, we will see. All right, so that's going to wrap it up here on this edition of Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, make sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. And please make sure to check us out on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, wherever. Wherever you listen to the show, whether you're driving to work, driving back from work, driving on a long road trip. I mean, it's only 30 minutes, but still, check us out. Thank you so much to everyone who supported the show and tomorrow. Is Friday, so send in your questions for the weekly Friday mailbag here on Lockdown Panthers. Either at me at Julian Council, DM me at Julian Council, or leave a comment on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday's show throughout the week there on YouTube, and I'll get to your questions on Friday. In the meantime, be safe, keep pounding, and I will talk to you all on Friday. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.